0: Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Good Good Golf podcast, Rod Murray operating the dials as we once again indulge in one of my favourite pastimes, welcoming, welcoming a guest into the studio for a chat about all things golf with a particular focus you would think this week on all things Masters, you and Porter's our special guest, and I'll turn his microphone on in just a moment, but not before saying a big hello to Adrian Logue, now the proud owner of a drone, as he's always excellent photography, attests these past couple of weeks, welcome Logue. Fair to say that the drone has changed
1: golf photography, the way titanium changed golf. I guess it has. Yeah, I mean it's extraordinary, like just how different looking things are. It, it. Uh, I've I've been putting it up over a few courses that I know really well, and uh, it looks like a completely different place. And it's really fascinating, sort of finding different angles. And
0: we used to see golf courses that hosted different. tournaments from the air.
1: They'd mm. send the choppers out
0: there, the TV crews, and whatnot. Now we see municipal golf courses from the air, all golf courses from there. It's a really different thing. Mm. I reckon it's done. We talked about this once before, I think, Instagram and yeah, and whatnot. I can see somebody here is very keen to get in, into the conversation. So let me bring him in, <laughs> Ewan Porter. Uh, you're no newcomer to the pod, obviously. You've made two appearances, though. One was just for the three of us after mm-hmm. I managed to somehow lose it, and the other one was a public one. You've graciously forgiven us well. Thanks for coming in, mate. Welcome oh, you're welcome. The,
2: it's good to be here in the studios. The
0: compound, mate. The Sydney Podcast Studios compound, we like to call it,
1: which is overselling
2: <laughs> the it. The razor but, wire. that uh,
1: That's sort of what puts it over the top,
2: I Yeah, think. <laughs> that's exactly
0: right. You're a consumer of golf. Media content. What are you talking about? The drone and golf photography. Have you ever thought about it before? I think we're all used to it. I mean, it's so common.
2: Yeah, I've been around it with a few things that I've done over the past few years, and I was actually going to TV, make a comment yes. of uh, what I saw just a couple of days ago, North Taramara. Was <laughs> that was that your drone? It was, yeah. Because I'm uh, yeah, I'm heading out there for my debut game fairly soon. And I mean that landscape there looks phenomenal. It's yeah,
1: it's remarkable. It's two courses in one. Really, <laughs> very much. Yeah, there's very a very old Sydney, old style Sydney golf course, which actually doesn't have any of the views. But then they had this fantastic peninsula, which was a dump, awesome. and they sort of capped it and built a pretty good golf course on there. It's
0: so been done a couple of times. Spectacular. The, 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 where that new nine is yep. was the site of a redesigned nine when the tip I think first went in, and then that got all covered up. They took a bunch of that away and put down the hockey fields and opened up a whole new area to do where that new nine is now. So it's an interesting... Um, I'm from up that way, so it's an Yeah. Interesting-
2: well, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Pine Valley, which... Forever has been such a mythical place; no one knows anything about. And with the, uh, you know, with the age of social media yeah. and drones, all of a sudden, everyone has access to that property.
1: Yeah, the mystique has been
0: well. That's well, yes because it used to. It? All it was was a grainy, black and white Shell's Wonderful World of Golf on YouTube, wasn't it? That's mm-hmm. all we had. Mm-hmm. You, as soon as you made it full screen, it was like, oh, that's lost a lot of the detail. I got to come
2: back to, <laughs> yeah, back to small. So there's what that wonderful
1: them? Golf Digest every hole at Pine Valley. Yeah, it's a, a, wonderful, an amazing
2: property. And I think you've been there, you played. I have, yeah. It's it's uh it's unbelievable yeah very very (laughs) difficult um augusta national and we'll get onto it obviously with uh, the master's chat but that's i remember growing up when i turned on the tv and you'd watch just you'd watch the back nine and to see any footage of holes seven eight nine was was pretty cool to see those holes. handheld cameras if i recall that had the camera on the shoulder correct and now you get all access to absolutely everywhere and I mean, you've got to go with technology, obviously. You've got to go with the times. But there was something about the mystique of the place that I Absolutely. used to love.
1: Yeah, I remember There's uh, they showed the highlights of Ben Crenshaw one putting the first six greens in 87 or something like that. The As the coverage round, started. As the coverage yeah. started. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like it grasping onto every little yeah. second Oh, that's like, the second like, oh, look look at that, oh. the, 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 He hit some ridiculous chip on the third. And you realise now the third's just incredible green. And
0: I seem to it's recall...
1: Amazing. In 96 the coverage started with
0: Norman on 7th maybe or the 8th and it was legitimately shot camera's over shoulders yeah. and i think they realized what was happening because they must have had a couple out there where it was like we got to have all of this for the highlights. Yeah so it was, wasn't that long ago. That's what 24 years it's already been. When did we get the fir- When did we get 8 all 18 at Augusta? I don't think it was, I do think it was after 2000. Yeah. But I don't she reckon it was in re- the 90s. I'm not sure. I reckon it's less than 20 years. Okay. And of course now this yeah. year pick your player and watch every shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the the Masters innovation this year. You want to see every shot that Adam Scott hits? Select it on the computer, and away you go. So, really, amazing. that nexus between I bang on about there, the nexus between media, and I'm not talking sort of media, newspapers and writers here, but media and the game. You're on TV now, Ewan. How important is it?
2: <sighs> well, I like the I. I mean, I like you just mentioned with uh, being able to watch any player. I like the idea of that because there's always. There's always a um, an appetite for content, and we've heard for years the complaints about not showing certain people from certain countries. We only see so many groups out on the golf course. So the fact that you can, you can watch any player at any given time, that's a bonus. At the same token, I actually think that there's a bit of a um, – and this goes for every sport. I think there's too much content there, and I think that we risk um, being oversaturated with it, and I think that uh, – I think that the, com- with that comes potential boredom and wanting to change the channel um, pretty quickly. And I'm like that with I'm um, like that with other sports. I'm like that with soccer. Um, you can watch 24 seven content soccer now, and I tend to turn it off after 10 or 15 minutes because I get a bit bored with it. So it's about trying to strike that ri- right balance. And, and there's so, there's so many different platforms for golf content now, uh-huh. whereas we used to just have Channel Nine. We used to just have. ABC out here whatever it was. Now you can get your content from anywhere, which is a good thing, but it's also changes you're walking the dynamic, a fine line. Yeah, changes are done. couldn't
1: agree more. Like remember 30, 35 years ago, the only US PGA tour coverage you got was like a tiny few inches in the Sydney oh, Morning Herald <laughs> yes. where and and it had exotic names like mm. Kemper and yeah. Pensacola. <laughs> yeah. And Pensacola. <laughs> the the yes. Open or something Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> and could, you're wondering, what are these exotic places and now you can just see on, it looks extremely banal
0: on a, on on a TV, side yeah.
1: note of great names I'm pretty sure Rich Beam won his first professional event
0: in a place called Truth or Consequences New Mexico
2: goodness me <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me yeah so next
0: time you talk to him because I know you know you'll ask about that I'm sure I read that somewhere and it's always
2: always impressive Club you, Pro Guy was probably up there yeah. too <laughs> <laughs> I think he ran
0: second that's right Uh, You do commentary now, Ewan, and I imagine that your Twitter feed gets filled with the, why don't you show more of Cameron Smith, why don't you show more of this, show more of this, show more of that. And I guess you'd get the other criticism of probably what you're talking about as well. There's a danger in presenting too much information in television in there. It's a visual medium, but when you're the one in the hot seat, the temptation to constantly talk is almost overwhelming, I would think.
2: Yeah, well, especially commentating, as you would know, silence is golden a lot of mm. the time. Uh, you like to let the, the picture tell the story. Uh, and there really is, in broadcasting, there really is that delicate balance of mm. of not uh, not overstating the situation and not talking too much. You want to be able to get your point across very succinctly in a very short amount of time. And it's... It's a job that I was told going into it, uh, it's easy to do an okay job and, and very difficult to do a, a really, really good job. And you've got to be prepared. You've got to understand the situation. Um, I certainly do my best to get my point across in a, in a short period of time.
0: It's a skill though, isn't it? You're not born Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. You've got to learn it, mm-hmm. practice it, take advice on it from others who've done it. It's, no question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not as easy. You, you look at the likes of Dottie Pepper and I think of Judy Rankin in the booth. Players who've gone on to become great commentators, that's a whole second career and a whole second. Baker Finch is another one uh, who I think it, who does a really good job of that. It's not as easy. Faldo's
1: crying into his cereal have. at the
0: moment. I don't mind Faldo. <laughs> people get on Faldo. I don't mind Faldo. I mean, was, he rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way during his career, which I suspect there's some hangover on that. But for the most
2: part, he's… Yeah. Well, funny. you would have heard Mickelson when he came into the the commentary box. I missed it, but he got… He got great well, reviews. Yeah, look, he was fantastic. I think the toughest thing with Phil, if he ever chose to take that pathway full-time, the toughest thing with him would be what we just spoke about, <laughs> just would be keeping it, yeah. keeping, it um, keeping it short, because no one else had a chance to get a word in. Because
0: yeah, of course, Bones but, is brilliant. He's former caddy. He's fantastic. He's, he's fa- he just stepped into that on-course role and has been fantastic yeah. at it right it, from day one. There's
2: a lot of energy and enthusiasm yeah. there, which I enjoy.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And that, that relationship keeps changing, that television print digital media, that whole landscape. And I don't think anybody's got any answers. We're just in constantly uncharted territory with the media, much more so than ever, ever, well, probably not since we had the printing press invented. Mm. The phone, once you put the internet in people's pocket, the world changed completely. And you see the results and everything, right down to the election last week. You've seen how that's changed. Sort of everything. So let's come to, you didn't tell everyone where you think they could find us, Logue. You've escaped that.
1: One duty did you have. Uh, well, they can find me at, Adrian Logue on Twitter and Instagram, you at Rod underscore Mori. Ewan? Twitter. And at? at? Ewan at. <laughs> he
0: says, trying to look it up. <laughs> Ewan at.
2: At. At.
1: Uh, I, I'm not going to be able
0: to look that Ewan up Ports. in
1: time. At Ewan Ports. At Ewan Ports on, Ports on Twitter.
0: Twitter. And worth yeah. following too, because uh, uh, lots of interesting stuff going on, including this weird Sydney golf odyssey. And What's this about? Mm. <laughs> You've been and played the PGA Tour, and now you're coming back to play the suburban golf courses of Sydney.
2: Yeah, look, it all started for me, I'd say, a couple of years ago where I just had this um, this epiphany with golf and my career that it gave me everything. It gave me absolutely everything in my life, so many opportunities, so many places that I've travelled, people that I've met. And, I, look, when I stopped playing full-time in 2013, I went through that phase where I hated the game and didn't want anything to do with it. And I was sort of out of it for about three years. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess... The, the places that I've been, the things that I've been doing the last few years, the people that I've got access to, I mean, it's I'm very, very fortunate. I'm very grateful. Um, and coming back down here to Sydney, uh, it's where I grew up. Uh, it's where I learned the game. And a lot of these golf courses, um, I wouldn't just necessarily say it's a nostalgia trip for me. I mean, it looks like I'm probably going to be here in Sydney for the next year or so, the way things are. Uh, and I'm really enjoying pl- uh, playing these, the Marrickvilles, the Bardwell Valleys, the um, careerless. I tried to coax you guys out to Lane Cove after this today. <laughs> uh, but I, I, look, I, I take the scorecard out of the pocket. Um, every now and again, I'll throw the retro clubs in there, which are perfect for these type of golf courses. And uh, it's really stripping golf back to um, the fundamentals and, and why I fell in love with the game in, in the first place. And uh, yeah, I'll continue to do more of it. And any listeners out there, hit me up. If you if you want to have a game somewhere, I'm, I'm all over it.
1: There's something to love and there's something amazing about every golf course, really, isn't there? Like,
2: Well, I think that's one of the benefits of our sport versus others, isn't it? I mean, every single golf course is different. The landscape is different. And the challenge is always uh, something unique versus, obviously, tennis. You've got the three styles of court. um Pool, athletic tracks, football fields, they're all very, very it's similar deliberately each regulated. Time. Yeah, regulated. It's
0: a part of the competition, is that they are regulated. So you can measure again. The great thing about golf, I think, is apart from anything, is the same golf course is never the same twice. No, you correct. can play it morning and afternoon. It's two different golf yeah. courses, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what you do. There's a bunch of interesting stuff that I want to unpick in there, Ewan, but I want to ask something personal first. You lost your dad not long ago. What impact has that had on this whole? Going back to going over life, dads and sons are interesting, mm. particularly if your dad got you started in golf. I don't know if he did.
2: Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, more inadvertently than anything, he'd practice chipping in the backyard, and I was, so was, so was playing cricket at the time, so I'd try and catch his chips. And then <laughs> I say, All right,
0: "That's a, a good I did the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. give me a go. Right.
2: But um, dad, dad's passing was the was the catalyst for me uh, starting the junior tournament now national junior series, and hopefully. Uh, soon-to-be international uh, junior series but uh, that that definitely um, yeah that definitely was as I said the catalyst for getting that going and I think everything else just fell into place and fell into to line after that Um, I used to I used to love practicing and playing with my dad watching and coming home when I was young and talking about uh, how I'd played that day he was the only one that was sort of at least showed that he was willing to <laughs> listen or care about what club I hit into a certain hole or anything like mm. that. And d- d- Just
1: to stay with that for a moment, shouldn't there be a hotline yeah, that golfers my, can my, call? My brother <laughs> reckons
2: like he's going to patent
1: this. Just a 1-800 number where somebody People can- pretend t- to listen. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, awful. Okay. Oh. Oh. You didn't treat oh, did, did you? you? Oh. Yeah. I like <laughs> that well, idea. Done. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. Open
0: Saturday afternoons. <laughs> Opens at about 2 o'clock and stays <laughs> up until about 10.
2: Uh, yeah, so look, uh, I, as you said, it was um, it was a couple of years ago that, that dad passed. Now the junior series, I think, is it has been the next step for me because I go out there, I see these kids that just have so much passion for the game, so much enthusiasm, and it's and it's rubbing off on me. I love playing, I love practicing. Now I'm not striving towards playing any tournament or any tour, but I just I love the game. I do it because I want to get better. I want to constantly improve my game, but I, I love it. I just love everything about it. If you get much better, you'll be ready to turn pro again. That's,
0: <laughs> it's the trap, isn't it, in some ways? Well, you've been on that journey, have you? I'm still there. Yeah, of course. Yes, but,
2: but um, yeah, I, I, look, I, there's there's definitely times I, I miss the competition, mm-hmm. but I don't miss doing it 30, 32 weeks a year, and, and that being the, the sole thing that my life revol- revolves around.
0: It's a different relationship with golf, is it not? Once it becomes elite competition and then a livelihood, Mm. I wonder whether a lot of pros lose something Mm -hmm. about golf and the joy of it simply because it's what you choose to do for a living.
2: Oh, no question. I mean, when you do it, most of those guys are playing 25 to 30 tournaments a year, so you're doing it for half the year. The other half of the year... Your life revolves around getting ready for that. <laughs> that's half right, getting of the year. fit for it. So um, yeah, it's probably the same as any job when it's when you're inundated with it for your entire year. It's hard to have any perspective.
1: Mm. It's something that gives me a little little surge of pleasure when you hear a pro talk after their career that they still love golf. Yes, it, like we've had Phil Blackmar on the yep. podcast before. He loves he plays with the retro clubs mm-hmm. as well, and obviously Clayton Clates. can't play he's, enough he's golf. Addict. Like he may, maybe <laughs> plays more golf than he did when he was on tour. And, uh, yeah, and, and obviously with Ewan as well. It's it's something I, I was like, oh, I always feel like, oh, good for you. Yeah. You, you still really like it. Yeah, what I great. really like about it,
0: and I played with Clates once, played nine holes with him at Barnbooga. Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh played nine holes with him at Barnbooga. It was amazing to watch. I mean, you f- we've, I forget that Clates is an amazing colleague, mate, a living playing the game for 20-plus years. You've got to be good. But the he plays more like a kid. So the seventh hole at bamboo, you would know, mm-hmm. hor- it's a par five that's 110 yards long. Mm-hmm into the wind and he's, he's hit this knockdown five iron into the breeze to about six or eight feet and Clates, as he does, he's yakking as we walk off the tee. He just walked up and picked it up. He didn't care about trying to make the putt. Mm. The fun was in something else and I think that's probably what changed. You know, just, just pulling out driver and hitting off the deck just to see if he can carry the water. You can't do that as a pro. And, and, and if you never go back... That's a joy, I think, because every now and then you'll pull it off. Yeah. That's why you play, I think,
2: Yeah, for us. Yeah, and that's good to hear. And, look, I mean, you mentioned um, you you forget just how good Clates was. And, and I think we'll give Rob Williamson a shout-out um, for his work on Twitter. He's been putting up a lot of old videos from the 80s and the 90s. And it's not just Rob. I mean, you can find a lot of the old stuff on, on YouTube. Yeah, there's a channel mm-hmm. called... I'll, try, I'll find it. Hino designs. Hino designs. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So really stuff. unlikely name. Yeah. But well, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of Greg stuff from the 80s, and, and Greg was mine and thousands of others' heroes mm-hmm. um, when we got into the game of golf. And the way he played, going back and watching those videos, you can see you can see why we fell in love with the game because of his swashbuckling style. And so many of those players were just were so good with that equipment, shooting low scores, and just it was so pure to watch. Or funky actions it
0: was very human wasn't it I mean, we, we see a much more scientific game and it's not about whether which one's better was it there was an entertainment factor. Peter Terravan had bobbed
2: up the other day yeah <laughs> My goodness. Geez, yeah
0: you won't see a golf swing like that on a professional tour one
2: on the European tour one on the yeah. Japanese tour yeah, yeah
0: you know unbelievable stuff and so there, that that's been a part of the change but you're right Norman was and still is even when you watch that old footage and I know that Justin Falconer, who we know, is mm. probably about the only young person I really know. Even he, when he watches that, I say,
1: exactly. wow. You, he's he in his 30s, it. isn't he? He's not young anymore.
0: No, that's <laughs> right. But I'm clinging to it because if he's not young anymore, Logue, that means I'm even older than yeah. uh, than I seem. But even people who have never, who weren't there for it, who you might think automatically believe the game is better today because it's their game, they watch that and go, wow. There's that amazing uh, tee shot from the Colonial, I think it is, where he's in the trees, Norman, and it's, it's the sound oh, yeah. mm. of the persimmon on the bladder, yeah. is just uh, ricoing through. Yeah. Amazing stuff, amazing stuff. So before we come to the Masters, you mentioned the junior thing a couple of times. So give us an update on that because, well, it can't be hard, can it? You used to be a pro. You just started junior series.
2: Well, I always wanted to do that, I, and I wanted to do something with a point of difference. I didn't want to have an 18-hole junior tournament that you played for a $50 voucher. There's enough of those. Uh, and then, like I said, when Dad passed, I wanted to do something honouring his legacy and... Uh, we had a different. F- I had a different format in mind. I contacted Cronulla Golf Club where I grew up. Uh, tried to leverage some of my connections at different golf associations and the PGA, et cetera, to to get a few exemptions on the line for the players. Last year we had a a two day tournament at Cronulla where Hayden Hopewell ended up winning the boys tournament, and Hayden's gone on to he just won the WA Open, right. mm. contended in the Aussie Open. Uh, Elvis Smiley, who's dominating, he was runner up to uh, to Hayden. So that the the fact that they were up there and and doing well that gave our our tournament some credibility. I saw an opportunity this year to create a national series, kind of like a, a FedEx Cup or a Race to Dubai. Um, it's for boys and girls, and when they uh, when they play their the Super Six is part of it um, after the after the stroke play, they're actually competing against one another, which is uh, which boys is, and girls, yeah. boys and girls, yeah, which is uh, which is unique. We've certainly had our challenges this year with postponing and cancelling and and rescheduling but uh, we've got a couple more qualifying events to go before our national final which is scheduled for Cronulla Golf Club we have to make a decision in the next few days on that we do have a backup plan um and the reason we may have to change that is because we don't know about the border situation with Sydney yet which is another story in itself crazy but um yeah, next year, uh, it does look like I've got a financial backer for next year to be able to expand it globally. Uh, I've had six or seven countries reach out wanted, wanting to be involved, and it's obviously very, very exciting because to this point, it's not something that I ever set out at all to, to make money out of, and I've put my hand in my pocket uh, to this point. Uh, but look, I mean, the fact that we could potentially uh, take this overseas is very, very exciting, but we've got to be very strategic about, uh, about how we do it because- Obviously, there's a lot of unknowns for the next 12 months about um, travel bubbles and whether we can travel at all. But it's very, very exciting, and I think the main thing is uh, the main thing is it's it's such a it's such a golden opportunity for these kids and their and their pathways. There's six tour exemptions on the line. There's two Adidas Golf, um, who are title sponsors of the series. There's two Adidas Golf sponsorships on the line, and I just want to be able to continue to build that because. I, I want it to be built as the ultimate pathway um, for juniors globally,
0: because of course playing is just one part of it, isn't it? As you would know, mm. nobody kind of tells you that until you <laughs> until you get there and you discover it. And It takes some people by surprise. We were just talking about Jordan Spieth before we started. Rory McIlroy's talked about it in the past. Yanni Tseng, all this stuff that happens once you've turned pro and your good play manifests into something else. Golf becomes the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. It's the time away from what is the actual job. How much of that do you focus on? I saw you interviewed a couple of the young girls the other day at through there. They're all giggly and nervous in front of the camera. That stuff's important, isn't it? That stuff's important in five years' time when one of those girls is somewhere big doing something yeah. and has to front the cameras and the press and sit in front of a press conference.
2: One of the one of the things that I have a bit of an issue with with all forms of uh, amateur golf is that, and you will have seen it when. When the day's over, when the tournament's finished, you get up, you make a speech in front of people, and I want to thank the sponsors, I want to thank the golf course. When you're a professional golfer, that's unless you win the tournament at the end- that's not reality because for the entire week you're facing press who are Mm -hmm. like what you're doing now you're asking me questions this is this is what they need to do they need and not
0: pre-prepared this is the other you you don't get prep you get asked you might get asked about the election Mm -hmm. you might get asked Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. the cricket you might get asked about the wallabies there's any everything is on the table and that's a lonely place to be I
2: would think it is and it's very very difficult because as we know quotes can be taken out of context and especially when it comes to politics all of a sudden you can uh, you can get hammered on, on all forms of social media, but I'm just basically trying to prepare them by, by conducting interviews with them, by having a videographer there and, and filming out on the golf course. I want, I want them to feel an atmosphere as akin to playing a professional tournament as possible so that when they transition, it'll be a natural one for them.
0: Because mm, there's that big fish, little pond, tiny fish in an ocean transition. There's a lot of good players. Mm-hmm. That's what trips them up. That, that transition. Yep. So you, you really do sort of need to be prepared. For it. What do you find is the reaction of the kids? Because they're growing up, and we've kind of touched on it, in a very different world to what the three of us did. You're younger than both of us. I'm older than both of you. But we grew up in a somewhat similar world. We had television. Mm-hmm. That was really kind of the big medium, magazines, and that's sort of it. These kids are growing up in a completely different world. How do you find their – if you compare yourself to them at their age – What's their attitude? Is it different? I've spoken to a couple of pros for another podcast to do the thing about golf. Yeah. And it was Scott Hend who first sort of brought up this notion of a lot of the younger players, this sense of entitlement, okay. particularly in America, where they've come up in a game where they've never had to really do anything. Look, like his example was he asked this young bloke a few weeks ago, you know, where are you staying? And the kid told him, You said, what's that cost? And the kid said, well, I don't know. Yeah,
2: <laughs> the no. hen
0: was like, "I can tell you exactly what it's costing. I can tell you what it's costing if I take something out of the mini bar. I can tell you what it's costing if I go for dinner." That's a specific example, but do you sense that at all? are are kids these days different to what we were because they've grown up in a world that le- legitimately is different?
2: Yeah, look, I, I think the the entitlement comes in in many different forms, and I think they just have a lot of uh, a lot of things being done for them. And I've I've witnessed this just through simple simple things like. Entries, entry forms for this junior series. Uh, in my opinion, they're not doing enough for themselves. I know when myself and my friends that I grew up with, Aaron Price, James Nitties, uh, Nick Flanagan, those guys, when when we were 14, 15, 16, we knew exactly what we were playing in. we were entering things ourselves. We were organising accommodation for ourselves outside of when we were representing state teams. So we were very hands-on with um, with our entire career from a very early age. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I would like to see a little bit more of that with the kids. And I think the other thing that I'm seeing, there's the kids are fantastic. There's great camaraderie. Uh, when we played at Shell Cove a couple of weeks ago, we had a one-hour rain delay. In that rain delay when the kids were soaked, they're out there playing um, ping pong, they're playing football, like in the rain, in, in a rain delay. And I just I thought it was amazing because the pros would have been whinging left, right and centre. But <laughs> at the same token, I don't. Think there is anywhere near enough mongrel and and drive and desire for these kids to separate themselves from the rest because they're all so ultra talented. I want to see a bit. I want to see a bit more. Um, yeah, a bit well, more mongrel enough, there. That no,
0: it's not enough. It's. I think it was Matt Goggin told us. I, it's just the entry fee. Yeah. He, he realised that he grew up in Tasmania. Of course, he was the best in Tasmania for a long time. And when he came to the mainland, he was good enough to compete. He got to America, and it was like, mm. oh, shit, they can all play. Mm. <laughs> there's not just 10 of us now. There, there's 150, and if I want to get in the field, I've got to beat 200 others of them to get there. And so yep. that can be a very hard lesson to learn late.
2: It can be. And, and look, I, I have really enjoyed the fact that I've played quite a bit of golf with these kids, both here and up in uh, Queensland, that are playing in this series. And the one thing that I try to drum into them is that, there are, there are thousands and thousands of top players across the world who can shoot 64 when they play all right, but you need to shoot under par when you're feeling at your absolute worst, when you might be physically sick, your swing might be as bad as it's ever felt, you don't like the golf course, the conditions are tough. Think of everything that could go wrong, and you need to go out there and shoot under par when that happens because more often than not, you're going to be uncomfortable when you're out there playing professionally.
1: The thing I admire most about what you're doing, Ewan, is that young people... And teenagers in particular, just terrify me. I'm just, I'm so scared of kids. Like they, it's like I'm worried I'm going to do something stupid in front of them and they're going to mock me or something, which would be the most are. undignified thing that they I could are. ever imagine. <laughs> so I, I just, I'm just so impressed that uh, you uh, you can uh, uh, be among them and and do such a great thing with them. I think it's, um, I think it's fantastic. I but appreciate yeah, it. Thank but I, I really enjoy. um the, the kids at uh the club where i play um the, the great bunch of kids and uh it, it is it's wonderful seeing the next generation of the game but golf is such a a growing uh it's like a it mirrors life in so many ways with um you know introducing kids to an adult thing where like they're they're mixing with grown-ups in a club environment which is very intimidating but you know in order to get onto the course and do the thing that they enjoy doing, they've got to break through that, which is tough in a way and clubs could be much more welcoming um, and they should be much more welcoming. But uh, the kids that get that benefit of going through that, um, I I feel like have a special insight that a lot of other kids miss out on.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I actually said to someone the other day that it was the best thing for me joining Cronulla Golf Club when I was 12 years old because- We weren't able to put our names down for the members competition on a Saturday until that morning. But Colin Arnold, the head pro, was terrific. He'd always get us a a game. And you were never allowed to play more than two juniors in a group. So any given Saturday I could be playing with a doctor, a lawyer, Mm -hmm. a Garbo, a a CEO. Um, Could be 40 years old, 70 years old. So all of a sudden you had to learn to communicate with all these different people and ask different questions. And I think for my you know just just for my own development i think that was probably the greatest thing
0: yeah we'll come to the masters cuz all the kids will be watching the masters this week as we all will and they'll all be aspiring all well, the boys will be aspiring to play in the masters one day and i imagine most of the girls will be aspiring to play in the augusta national women's amateur mm-hmm. at some point and then go on to have professional careers But the elephant in the room we've got to address is something Adrian just brought up. You, of course, had an incident a couple of weeks ago at a club (laughs) here in Sydney, which we won't uh, name specifically. But I want to ask you more broadly about that. Golf seems to be at a real nexus with a lot of this stuff, this tradition bumping up against modern. We see it in the playing of the game, the approach of the professionals to the game. We see it with the distance debate. We see it with all sorts of stuff, the woke crowd with their trestle sticks and all of those sorts of things. What's your take on all of that? And I know you got... Well, you got all sorts of feedback, both negative and positive, <laughs> the other week. First of all, explain to us what happened briefly, and then maybe t- tease out a bit your thoughts on why there's maybe some issues with some of the things that golf still does.
2: Yeah, uh, it, the whole the whole incident took me by surprise because I, I turned up to the to the golf club and I had black socks, black shoes on, and was completely oblivious to the fact that it could be. A, a a, a big deal at all I mean it had been over a decade since it had it used to have been you would have known 10 years ago oh totally totally totally. but in that time I mean without trying to sound too boastful I have played Pine Valley I have played St Andrews I've played some of the and been to the greatest golf courses all across the world and my attire has never ever been questioned anywhere so the fact that I could turn up well, to a set- Well, I,
1: uh, I saw what you wore on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: some, some, uh, We've all seen you YouTube. Yeah, that's stuff. right. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> so, sorry, go on. Um, yeah, some of the stuff I wore did you buy a
0: Pizza <laughs> Hut via, yeah. visor just recently? I did. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
2: you're- and a McDonald's employee one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm still waiting for them to be shipped, though, from the US. But, um, yeah, look, it just the whole. I walked into the pro shop, and the pro uh, said to me, you know, I, he was very polite, said I couldn't wear them. Uh, I couldn't wear the black socks, black shoes, and I, I just said, "Look, uh, you know, I, I understand it's not, it's not your policy, uh, but I just, I think it's one of those things that it, it, it should be reviewed. It should be looked at. The whole incident was all very cordial. Um, they let me play in in the black socks and and black shoes in the end, even though it was against their policy, which was which was nice of them. Uh, and then at the end of the day, again without mentioning the club, I just said um, on pointed it out on Twitter, the incident that had happened, and it certainly caused a bit of a stir. And then the following day, because a couple of members of this club had followed me on Twitter and had actually commented on it, uh, they, my friend who invited me out there, the general manager, had contacted him to say, Ewan's not welcome here anymore, and we've contacted the PGA. So that's when I did my little two-minute video on, on Twitter and uh, and, and said – and express my my opinions and my thoughts and uh look I, i'm not against tradition at all I, i'm one who i love the way the guys played and dressed back in the day but i also think that um i also i remember when i first got into the game of golf and like we've just touched on a, on a few of the things it was there were a lot of the times where i felt unwelcome and it wasn't just from a address perspective Um, it it could have been something as simple as hitting two tee shots out on a hole and a member would come running over from two fairways away asking me what I'm doing I'm out there I get my best practice on the golf course not the range so that's what I'm doing Uh, and yeah you always felt like you were you were treading on eggshells so I think that's it's about trying to find that um, that delicate balance of uh, of of holding on to golf's traditions but also moving forward with the time so we can welcome new demographics uh, to the sport because I think it has a, a huge opportunity to um, to grow. We're, we're right in the middle of a growth spurt with golf at the moment, which is a terrific thing. And the fact that we've got the likes of, um, you know, your Ricky Fowlers and Victor Hovlands and Matthew Wolffs as ambassadors for the game, that's going to help with the younger generation. And it just uh, – the whole incident just – it, it rattled me a little bit because it made me realise that uh, here in Australia – and I've since – heard some horror stories about many clubs throughout Australia and, and the UK predominantly about um, their archaic traditions and just the way they uh, intimidate a lot of their younger members. I, I think if we can move away from that, I think that'll be the best thing for the game.
1: Um, you, you left out the best part of the story, Ewan, that you had to pay the comp fee even though you not playing <laughs> the comp. <laughs> yeah, and goodness, you man. won the comp yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't give you the prize Yeah. They, pro, they, they wouldn't give me my and reefer. then they wouldn't give you your money yeah, back. Uh, <laughs>
2: That's fifteen dollars. That's fifteen dollars.
1: It's the cherry on top. Is
0: fashion a tradition? Like we hear people point to this. I, I get the discussion about clubs are entitled to make whatever rules they want, and that's true. And people are entitled to ridicule those clubs for having those rules. That's true too. Is fashion a tradition? Because people often say, "Oh, it's a tradition. It's a you know we've always done this thing this way." Is that fashion means- really a tradition, or is it is it something that's weaponized with a that's masking something bigger—an attitude?
1: It, it it is. It's definitely a part of the game, and I love good golf fashion. Um, but at the same, and this is so divisive. But nonetheless, uh, if you go onto Golf Australia's website at the moment on the in the get into golf program, on the banner like the the hero image on that page is a bunch of people like in t shirts and jeans and and runners, and that's that's actually what we need to be doing to get people into golf. It's so. There's so many barriers and so much cost getting into golf as it is with, you know, memberships are crazy expensive. Clubs don't do enough to try and bring down subscription fees. Uh, Instead, they spend it on, you know, gardens and fountains and ridiculous (laughs) stuff. Let's not get you started on that. (laughs) Um, And and on top of that, a new golfer thinks they have to buy 14 clubs and 14 clubs cost $3,000. And then on top of that, they have to buy clothes before they can even get on the course. And I've seen it in action, like with my daughter, for instance, um, who's a really good tennis player. And she got into tennis just wearing whatever she wanted. Then she started to wear really cool tennis clothes because she liked what the pros were wearing. She'd go shopping for that stuff. And then she'd seek out the stuff that she really likes and and start wearing that. But then when she went to golf, she actually had some like collared shirts and like tennis skorts and things like that. And she's like, would I be okay wearing these? And I had to really think about it. And it's like, are you going to? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it might be okay. And so we went out and it was it was sort of okay. It sort of worked on a golf course. Um, But she's pretty much like, really? I've got to go through all this again. I've got to, you know, I've got Backwards, to buy, isn't it? Yeah. buy a whole bunch of new stuff. And it was, yeah. A tennis model makes a lot of sense. Get on into the game and enjoy it first,
0: then want to look good while you're playing.
1: Exactly. On top of everything, there's just yet another expense that you have to get through to get into golf. It's yeah. just silly.
2: So I'll give, sorry, I'll give yeah. um, Todd Woodbridge, uh, a good friend of mine, a, a shout out because he called me when all of this was going down on, on Twitter and he actually just checked in to see that I was okay because there was a lot of um, oh, ne- negative, mm. negative feedback on there. Uh, and Todd's on the match committee at Royal, at Royal Melbourne. And obviously, Royal Melbourne is our number one golf course. It's top five in the world. And he even said that over the last couple of years, you can have visible tattoos there now. You can wear black socks, black shoes. And if, if, our, if our number one premier, most prestigious golf course is moving with the times like that, there is zero reason that hmm. any other club shouldn't be following suit. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. A couple of times I've delved into this. You know, what is, why is the collared shirt seen as something special in golf? It's actually a class division from hundreds of years ago. This is how we used to separate people on class in the Victorian times. Do tell. Wearing the fluffy collars. and that's no, your so, fancy so, collar. Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's actually, uh, its roots are a class division, and that is, in fact, exactly how it's used. Do you wear a collar like yeah, a me big shot? You wearing a collar yeah. shirt like a big <laughs> shot. Yeah, that's exactly right. But that, that's oh, what it's are. Got got
2: that, you right. were nervously gripping <laughs> right. his T-shirt. <laughs> David DeValle, 2001. Remember, he wore the Absolutely. Mossimo T-shirt at Augusta National, yeah. you know, on the, the holy grounds, the holiest golf course in, in the game. and.
0: Well, wearing a T-shirt, but if he was invited by a member, you'd think that would be unlikely. Mm. He may, being David Juvale, Woods played for years in those sort of turtlenecks that he wouldn't Great have been family. able to get onto most golf courses as a green player, <laughs> green fee paying player. But uh, it's an interesting, wasn't it? Isn't it because it, if you've grown up in the game, you understand it all and you just accept it. I never even think of mm-hmm. it. I mean, I wear my golf shirts to work and I wear them around the house, and I, you
1: know that it's just a, a given to me. We but, grew up in. The era of peak collar, oh, as well with like long socks. Nicholas had those big structured big, collars. They yeah, were, but
2: I think they were the that best, was a great look. They, they were. That was the if best. They came good back. Look. Kids oh. would be flocking to the collar. Yeah, totally, bring them back. <laughs> Retro look. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's all part of something bigger, though, isn't it, Ewan? This is stuff that golf's got to grapple with. I uh, wrote a column today. The image of the game is its greatest barrier. It's too easy to weaponize it. We've seen more park council. You know, the Sydney City Council voted eight two. They want to cut more park golf club. There's no outrage about that when they kind of should be. And part of the reason there's no outrage is because it's very easy to sell a narrative to non-golfers that golf is just for the exclusive wealthy few. It's easy to sell. And we know it's not true.
2: It was by my tweet yesterday about, um try, try to stay away from politics, but Trump being removed uh, from office is, is, is a great thing for the game of golf because he's always playing golf and his image playing golf is not a great look for golf no. itself.
0: And so, as we do every week, we come to that part of the show where it's time to talk about apparel, as Logue likes to call it. Now, many of you already know that we have a preferred apparel supplier here at the Talking Golf Network, but for those who might be new or just paying attention properly for the first time, let me tell you briefly about thegolfsociety.com.au. They're an online apparel and accessory store stocking all the latest fashion items from the biggest names in the field. If you like the look of Ralph Lauren, Peter Miller, Travis Matthew, or any of the other of the wokest woke golf gear makers, then thegolfsociety.com.au is the place to find it. And as an added bonus, being a and Golf listener gets you a $25 discount off your first purchase. All you have to do is head to thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash and Golf, just the one G in and Golf, and the wonders of technology will take care of the rest. That's thegolfsociety.com.au forward slash talking golf. Link in the show notes if you weren't quick enough to write that down. Now back to you and Paul. What we show on television with professional, what we're about to see this week at Augusta National, is, cha- is the re- reverence for a tournament at a golf club that admitted its first woman member mm. in 2012?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got and had to be rocks. dragged
0: kicking and screaming yeah. to that. Now whether they have women members or not is not common issue still called the masters still called the masters that's exactly right and 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 there will be reverence you will, it won't be hard to find the opposing take this week because it's kind of become woke to be a bit anti masters and and that sort of thing but that's partly the problem non golfers see this every year at augusta mm-hmm. you know and it's a hard sell if you really look at it if you come from outside of golf that's kind of hard to understand that this is a place that holds one of the so outside of Scotland, we kind of got it wrong with the image. It's always been about exclusion and revering the most exclusive. I mean, name your bucket list of courses you'd like to play. I'm going to guarantee you that 95% of them are private or ultra-private mm-hmm. golf clubs. And so whilst we understand it from within the game, from outside of the game, it's not difficult to see how that would look very clubby and I'm um, unfriendly. Mm. Regardless of all that, it'll be a fantastic tournament because it always is the Masters. It's a weird year. Why am I not as excited this year as I normally am about the Masters, Ewan?
2: I'm with you. What
0: is it? Mm-hmm.
2: Is it the crowds? Uh, is it the atmosphere? I, I think when it comes to the crowds at Augusta National, I love the fact that you can't take a phone in there. So, the, so basically the crowds are reliant upon those giant leaderboards to see how scores are, are changing around the course. So there's there's roars coming from all corners of the golf course courtesy of, of the changing scores on those scoreboards, which then reverberates through to the players and it echoes in certain parts of the golf course more than others and you know a Tiger Woods roar more than the others and there's obviously not going to be any of that this year but look it's it's not just the Masters I've felt I probably shouldn't be saying this as a (laughs) golf commentator I've felt exactly the same way about every single tournament since we've come back I've I haven't lost a lot of interest for the game obviously but I've lost quite a bit of interest for for viewing it on, uh, on television it just doesn't have the same appeal it's not just golf it's other sports as well i found it challenging watching it for its entirety with uh without the without the crowds it will be interesting to see how the golf course plays this time mm-hmm. of year because uh, look i mean having played having lived and played a lot of golf in the us for many many years it is quite fascinating how much longer golf courses play over there uh, when it is much cooler Although the weather this week is uh, is meant to be pretty conducive, early to-
1: reports are that
2: it's soft. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah so I mean, that's, it's a long enough golf course. As jeez, oh wow. Now, see, that wouldn't happen. Or that would that was the national? phone
1: just to break the fourth wall for a moment. That was the uh, phone of the podcast studio owner. That was uh, not on do not disturb mode there. Gonna, You're going to cut all this out, aren't you? Yeah,
0: maybe. I don't know. Maybe I won't. It's my fault. It's Rob Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, Rob, that's, that's yeah. you, mate. Yeah. You should have known we'd be recording uh, at this time. I feel the same way. I wonder what it is. Has it been a perspective shift, Logue, because the whole world's gone crazy and golf, uh-huh. professional golf's taken its rightful place for us? Or is it something else at play?
1: Uh, I don't not know. just the Masters.
0: All tournament golf this year has been odd.
1: I'm, I'm watching it. A- Trying to like it, I'm refusing to make to normalize it. To say this is how it's always going to be. Now we better enjoy it. I'm refusing to go there. I wouldn't be against audience noise being piped in on golf. I'd, I'd like to see did how they that, do that goes. The,
0: they did that with the soccer, didn't they? They do it did with, it, with it soccer
1: it? and NFL. It works on the NFL because you can't really see the crowd anyway, and mm. for most of it, mm. um, and it works really well. And they've got they've got it down to a fine art as well. Like there's all sorts of subtle little reactions at the the crowd make to a different way that things, I don't know, it's, it's down to a fine art with that. If they can do it so well in the NFL, I'm sure they can, recreate a lot of the sort of stuff Are you're describing there. Are you
0: championing a step closer to the video game that you accuse the PGA Tour of trying to create and make out of golf? Is that what you're
1: doing here? Oh, so you've just backed me into a corner I there. Have,
0: <laughs> I and see, I don't see, miss I these opportunities. <laughs> I've had the, the ringing phone. Now you've got to explain yourself.
1: Uh, I'm not going to... I don't think I can find my way out of that corner that I've uh, conveniently painted myself into there, but the... Oh, anyway, I'd, it's it would be an interesting experiment to see. I'd, mm. I'd like to see if they can pull It'll it off. P- PGA Tour, why not? Nice. Look, over. at this point, this just lean into it. The PGA Tour, yeah, go ahead, make it your stupid video game with your <laughs> plonked-in <laughs> soundtrack grids and your grids on the fairway. Yeah,
2: I will say there does seem to. I, I've I've heard it from I've heard from all corners of the globe how a lot of people are now tuning in more to the European Tour coverage, uh, just because uh, I think the PGA Tour has become um, same, 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 same. Uh, it, it's it's almost it's very sponsor-driven. Obviously, and, and the product has become a little bit stale, I think, because that's of that. I mean, calling I've, it the product like, just
1: that's that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, yeah, but
2: well, that's what I mean. I was productized. I've done PGA 2 Alive the last two or three years, and that's exactly how it is. I mean, every, every 15 20 minutes, you have to throw in, drop in sponsor names and, and sponsor elements. And whereas the European Tour is a bit more just go with the flow, a lot better banter.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Because, of course, the European Tour have been playing for purses about a tenth. Of what they would normally play for, and about yep. a f- <laughs> about a hundredth of what the PGA Tour plays for, has no bearing on how interested spectators are in the product. There's a lot to learn from all this, and I think the PGA Tour. I know this was in motion before COVID, but I think they've really thought that it's gambling that's going to save them. This is the new oh. thing that gambling is going. To- well, it's injected into the coverage now, is yep. it not? On-, on a yep. regular basis, are they on the right track? Is that true?
2: We, we've we've been able to do it for of course however many years, and, and it's it, I, I I don't know if I can answer that because it's been so common practice for me, and it doesn't re- the fact that Ricky Fowler's sixteen to one or Tiger's eight to one doesn't bother me or shape my interest in a tournament one way or the other. It
1: doesn't excite me at all, mean, no. but it, it just does get with. some people very interested. So there is an audience that it'll bring, um, yeah. it will bring. It it it'll amp things up in a way that I don't particularly like. Like I don't don't like the contrivance of these uh what do you call it the the side bets, I don't know what the name of those are anyway I don't like the contrivance of that the various lines that people play um they do their odds differently in America too no they're, they're a bit odd. I can never understand yeah. what they're talking about
0: uh, it's not as simple as here. It's a hundred to one or five to one, or you know, yeah. you put on a dollar and you get five back. That's easy to understand. They do this weird
2: yeah. There's a like minus three hundred and plus 400 yeah. All
0: this yeah, overs and unders, and no, I can't keep up with it. So, yeah.
2: not that I'm a gambler, so that's probably we're probably. I'm
0: guessing you two aren't either. But
2: no, you and me, yeah.
0: no. <laughs> uh, by the same so the tournament itself, you So, despite the fact that we've all admitted we're not as excited as we normally would be, we do work in golf, so we must be interested. What's what's peak during? Just what's to look out for this week at Augusta National?
2: 93 players in the field, 26 different nationalities being uh, represented. Over 20 players are making their debut appearance. This is why you're here. Oh, I didn't know is- any of
0: that. That's fantastic. It's
2: gold. Uh, yeah, five- Justin Ray in the you know, studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. Five Aussies, uh, which is a relatively low number. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously- Lucas Michel making his debut, I think it would be fair to say you wouldn't put him amongst the contenders. I'd love to see him do well. Most but
0: expensive green fee of the field, 11 grand is going to cost oh
2: him get home. me. I hope there's <laughs> a go, I hope, I hope there's a gets go sorted out with page. that. Yeah,
0: Surely yeah, someone yeah. at Augusta is just going to either offer their own plane or give him the 11 genies. Yeah. Now, so I will say, I don't to know- explain
1: his- Economy ticket got cancelled for returning yeah. to Australia, and now the only option is to get a first class ticket. 11, and then he's also got to pay the the, the hotel quarantine, quarantine fee when yeah, he gets back to right. Australia. Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, I don't know if you follow him on um, Instagram at all, but he has been on the most epic mm. golf trip for three months across the US. So because of that, I feel a little bit less sorry. For him. He's played <laughs> some right. of the and he's playing the Masters, yeah. and he's played the US.
0: Add it all up, eleven grand's not a lot of money. It is suck it up. He's, <laughs> he's a good fellow. bloke too,
2: but. Yeah. um Yeah, the four Aussies, I think every single one of them has a legitimate chance of of winning the tournament, doing well. Um, There's a number of players. I I can't single out one uh, specific favourite. I'd love to see Tiger do well. It's obviously his domain there at Augusta National, but um, I don't hold out too much hope. I would love to see him up there. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a few sneaky dark horse contenders uh, but I, I think for me, I love watching the international flavour of these tournaments, mm-hmm. and we saw it at the PGA Championship there for, for, a lot of the, for a lot of the week. We certainly didn't see it at the US Open. It was a bit of a blowout. Um, and I think on that note, that's another interesting element. There's so much hype around what Bryson's going to be able to do uh, to, this, to this golf course with, um, with how far he's hitting it. And if ever there is a time that it's going to be an advantage, it's when the course is playing soft, and long.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, ignores the rest of the things you've got to do <laughs> well. Right. I mean, yeah. it's a big element of the game, obviously. But it's not- it feels to me he's come in under the radar. Somebody obviously wrote that last week, so he's clearly not that far under the radar. But is this just the change of pace that Rory needs playing in November to to change things up enough that maybe he, – he's becoming the nearly man of his generation, Rory, at Augusta. Norman was it. Weiskopf was it. No. Miller was it. Oh, yes. They've all been it. Tom the, Kite. Yeah, this generation at this at the, Ernie was it? Ernie. At yeah. this stage it's Rory. If he's gonna break the hoodoo, this feels like it might be the best
2: chance to me. He's he said as such himself. Uh and look at his two um two major championship wins in the US. I know he's won four, but two of them uh congressional, Wet, long and soft. soft Valhalla, exactly the same. So perhaps this is uh when he when he gets that last leg of the Grand Slam, you know,
0: crowds. You know, I mean, he had his chance the other year when he went out with Spieth on the Saturday. I think he shot seventy-five, just very mm. Royal. When he went out with Reed in the last round in twenty eighteen, and hit it off the planet to the right on the first hole, and only got worse from there. <laughs> he made yeah. a great par, but yeah. but there's just less. It's different this year, and I think that'll mm-hmm. be sort of good for him. Have you given it any thought? Like, it's always impossible yeah. to pick winners, but, but you like to talk about contenders,
1: obviously. Well, just on Rory, I think if you zoom out on his career, I think. I think he will win a Masters eventually. He's just too good, and he'll be around long enough. Did that you he think will. that about Norman as well? And Weiskopf, of course, and Miller. Yeah, so you're back in the corner, you're breaking man. my heart. they <laughs> back start. back into the uh, corner. But the the at the same time, I think the one that he sort of got away with is the Open Championship, because in a lot of ways, he just doesn't perform that well on on open venues, and uh, he he sort of. He snuck one in there, and I doubt he'll win another Open, but I do think he'll win a Masters. I think he's much more of a chance of winning a Masters than a second Open.
2: I've actually found it interesting uh, that, you know, we've, we've we've always, over the last however many years, we've seen a great representation from the Poms, from the English mm. players, and you always think of Lee Westwood, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Casey, Justin Rose, and then Danny Willett popped up and won. Well, to me, he's he's not – the favourite amongst the Englishmen this week. It's definitely Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah. The six top fives and a win this year. He's top ten in the world. He's had five top tens in majors the last four years. He's he's primed for a run. Although his record the last couple of years at Augusta is not great, I think he is playing with so much confidence that it wouldn't be surprising to see him up there. He's a
0: big event player too, isn't he? His, his game is – you look at Rory and you see amazing stuff, flamboyant, incredible stuff, amazing talent. Same with Woods, same with Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepard, DeChambeau. Hatton's just a golfer. He's a golfer's golfer. Yeah. He just does everything well. And, he doesn't do anything amazingly; he just does everything well.
2: That's right. Yeah, he d- and, and I think that's um, it's a little bit like the way Roger Federer plays tennis, right? He's, he's flawless at everything. He doesn't have a huge serve or an amazing backhand. He just does everything well. But what fascinates me about Tyrrell Hatton is that he literally is the John McEnroe of golf. Oh, he can actually, actually- <laughs> he can channel that anger into positivity, and yes. not many people can do that. Mo- and Jeff Ogilvie was good at doing that. Most people let it get to them, and it's their detriment. Yeah,
0: he's a spitter, isn't he? And he's a great. I wrote a the other week. no way. Yeah. He is. It's fantastic because he's, he's self-deprecating. I mean, you've only got to go on YouTube. But my favourite is when he's hit, he's hit that shot miles right at Bay Hill and he says to his caddy, is that the worst golf shot you've ever seen? And the caddy thinks, I'm just going to shut up. And he says, no, answer the question. And he says, yes. He says, thank you. <laughs> Let's go up there and I think I think,
2: I think Tyrrell has gotten it down to a fine art yes. that the dummy spitting can be. Uh, entertainment. And the main reason for that is the only person that he could potentially hurt out of it is himself, and he's not, but he's not he's not doing any he's not ruining the golf course mm-hmm. and he's not hurting his playing partners so therefore it is entertainment
1: he's pretty authentic with it as well okay. like you can tell that's he grew up saying things like
0: that yeah. <laughs> although i think it I, I do think watching him a few years ago on the european Union, you could tell this kid's got talent then you'd have a bad hole and you'd see him blow up and it was ugly and it was everything you don't like to see in a temper tantrum and that's what he's learned i think yeah. you know you're not going to stop doing it, just change the way you let it affect you. Because Woods was great at it too. Woods Mm -hmm. had a temper. Mm -hmm. But by the time he got to the next shot, it was done, dealt Mm -hmm. with, and get on with it. So Mm -hmm. I don't mind that call, Tyrrell Hatton. I really like the way he's playing at the moment. Harrington said something really interesting on the McKellar podcast six or eight months ago. He said, Players sort of oh. get eighteen months. Yeah, he's
1: in his eighteen months.
0: Hatton feels like he's in his
1: eighteen months, and, and yep. make hay while the sun shines. It's a uh, depressing thought for him. You just brought that the level <laughs> of that down, like, it was so promising yeah. career. They're Roger Federer right. comparisons. Clock's and- <laughs> tipping Terrell, you've got fifteen <laughs> months to
0: go, mate. It's been wonderful for the last three, but you've got fifteen
1: months. Uh, speaking, how go. many? Spieth probably had two years. Well, some of he, yeah, he, oh, he bucked uh, the uh, twenty fourteen. It started, and mm-hmm. then fifteen when so he's first three, went the- yeah. 16. When did he win Birkdahl? 17. 17. Three 17. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so Three we're going to see, is his career just going to sort of tail off now? I Will don't I only think so, seem at all the pros every seem year? to think. Yeah. Maybe they do, we were talking about it Oh look, like The I, saddest I, I th- thing ever would be if he turns out like Sandy Lyle, where he's you only st- ever see him turning up at the Masters. Such every a great natural. T- I feel like a great player to watch,
0: yeah. Spieth. He's always I've always loved watching him because he can hit a bad shot, but he's... He's again a golfer's golfer. Just get it in the hole from wherever you happen to have hit it. But what's your take him? Because you know the game's very technical at the top level these days. It feels like that's the rabbit hole he's disappeared down, and I think it's been to his detriment.
2: He's well, the fact that the fact that the fact we're talking world. about Spieth losing his game, he'll win this week. Yeah, we'll yeah go I'm my money. I tipped t- he will because <laughs> I <I'm> t- <Let's laughs> talk t- about <laughs> it more
1: then. <laughs> that's right. <Yeah.
2: laughs> no, he, I, 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 when I said that he'd be back on the Corn Ferry Tour in 2025, that was my most out, outrageous prediction. <laughs> when did it, you make that prediction? Last year. Yeah. It could, it could happen. But I think, I think Jordan will win again. I really do. But I don't think we're going to see him back in the top 10 in the world. I think we're going to see him win a PGA Tour event. He'll he'll play out there for another 10 years, but it, it, it won't be to the same stratospheric level that we saw him at.
0: Success too early? Early success. Let's talk about that because it, it happens sometimes in golf. Yanni Singh, I think I mentioned her name earlier. Yeah. Oof. Incredible talent. Mm-hmm. Went on a tear and, and mm-hmm. hasn't just now. She's, not, she's just disappeared mm-hmm. completely. What does early success do to and for players?
2: Well, there's the expectation level, isn't there? I mean, I I think Jordan Spieth, for example, he was a very good college player. He was a very good junior golfer. He turned pro at 19, so he didn't have too much of an amateur golf career. Most of it was junior golf. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he had a year in college in in Texas, but he he exceeded everyone's expectations early on. My last few events on the what's now the Corn Ferry Tour, he was playing on invites at the beginning of his professional career. He did all right. He didn't do anything special. Uh, But then all of a sudden, he just shot to fame and and rose to prominence. And I think he won the John Deere Classic just a few months after that. And uh, that obviously gave him such a huge boost because, like we just said, for the next three years, it was an absolute tear that he was on. But... um, it's hard to sustain that level. To do it for three years was, was incredible. And I'm just using Jordan as an example. I know that a um, good friend of mine, Brad Beecher, who caddies for Inby Park on the LPGA. Tough
0: gig, that. Yeah.
2: Won all seven grand slams and, a, and an Olympic medal. But, um, yeah, he was telling me that Yani just hates the spotlight. Absolutely. Yes. And, and she's almost more comfortable now being the 60th player on the order of merit than dominating week in, week out.
0: Yeah. so. It, he's a highlight player, isn't he, Spieth? He reminds me a mm-hmm. bit of Fred Couples. He, he, all, you think about his career; all of his moments are big moments. holding out of the bunker at mm-hmm. the John Deere to get it done, the crazy, you know, birdie he made in thirteen at Royal Burkdale oh, from, yeah. from yeah. out there at the you know, one. And then the, yeah.
1: the eagle and yeah, the, well, he, made, well, after that. That he went birdie, then eagle, then birdie. Or something. Even after he had chunked yeah. it in the war and made that seven on the
0: twelfth that year, the year Will won. He birdied the next. He hit it to a foot and a half at 16. I mean, he did almost everything he could. He, precocious. Like, yeah. He's sort of precocious. Big man. He's not that. He's the opposite of what we were talking about with Hatton. You know, spectacular yeah. shots. Like again. The one he held against um, at uh, Connecticut. What was his mate's name? Daniel Berger. Mm-hmm. Holding oh, out of the yeah, bunker of against course, Berger. Yeah. Just crazy stuff. Yeah. But it, Spieth always seems to do, Like couples always holds something or does something crazy. He's that yeah. kind of player. Spieth. I hope he comes back because I think he's... Me a, too. It's so entertaining to watch. He's true for the game. And what about the Australian chances? Realistically, uh, who's the pick of them? Cameron Smith snuck in there, was it last year, with that extraordinary final round? I think he shot 65 in the last round. He feels to me like the player from Australia who never gets the attention, who probably should coming into Augusta.
2: Yeah, and he started playing uh, much better again. Obviously, one earlier this year. He's had a couple of top fives in majors. In fact, that final round at Augusta, he uh, he shot thirty to back nine, playing alongside Dustin to sneak into the top five on a Sunday. And I mean, when you can do that under the pump at That's Augusta golf, National, you yeah. know you know you can you know you know you're capable of winning a major championship. And I know his coach Grant Field very well. Grant always tells me that he's a big game player and. and it wouldn't surprise him if he did win a major. It certainly wouldn't surprise me. Jason's obviously been playing much better the last two or three months. He's he's due for that win because that win hasn't happened for a couple of years. Leash obviously loves playing Augusta National. He's had a couple of top tens there. He played alongside Adam when he won in in 2013. Um, yeah. Won earlier this year at Tory Pines. So, again, knows how to win, loves the big stage. And then, of course, Adam Scott. Uh, Previous winner. He's yeah. Adam Scott, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, look, he, he's, he's, he's the interesting one, Scott. He's making his, uh, I think it's his 19th or 20th appearance appearance this week at Augusta. And he prepares so meticulously for major championships, likes to take the week off before it and, and come in fresh. And that's all been um, thrown out the window because of his um, coronavirus uh, diagnosis a couple of weeks ago. So he played in Houston, which finished today. I think he finished around 30th somewhere. So his form's okay, but he probably feels underdone. But I don't think that really matters for someone of Adam no. Scott's exactly. um, talent. He won Riviera earlier this year, and it was his first tournament in nine weeks. So he can get it done. He's won 31 times as a professional. I would put, I would give Adam our best chance of winning this week.
1: He's so driven, isn't he, as well? You, you look at him mentally that he feels like – he behaves like he's still got something to prove in his career, and you get the sense he'll be like that all the way through into right, the team. seniors. and
2: yeah. told me in be- June or July he has got, he believes he's got five good solid years left and he said if he could, he would play four tournaments a year yeah. uh, if, if he knew he could um, <laughs> yeah. peak for them. Yeah. But uh, they're obviously by far and away his priority and uh, his favourite one is Augusta National. So, you know, he's going to be a second green jacket. He's an analytical thinker, isn't he? He, he knows the
0: window's closing. He's talked about it. You know, the, the window closes whether you want it to or not. You played a bunch of golf with him earlier in the year. I think he's Australia's best ambassador for the game, and I think he might be one of the game's best ambassadors. That whole period of playing with a bunch of kids up there Mm -hmm. in Queensland—tell us a bit about that. He doesn't
1: really look the part of the (laughs) game's best ambassador.
2: (laughs) He's just—I find him really annoying just because he's good at everything. Everything. (laughs) Everything. And he's a nice bloke. And he's a nice bloke. And he's a good style of a guy. I mean, just you're right. He is our ultimate role model. Um, When you look at Greg Norman, uh, he was—he was brilliant for Australian golf, but he was so polarising. You loved or you load the shark, whereas Adam, everyone loves Adam. And I told him uh, what he was doing up there when he was—he uh, he started that campaign for golf clubs to uh, let juniors play for five dollars up there on the Sunshine Coast. And he was doing his Instagram live things with Bailey Arnott. He did another one with Wayne Persky and played with a whole bunch of juniors um, away from the away from the cameras up there. That's that's the legacy that's the lasting legacy that's going to the people are going to remember as much if not more than him winning a green jacket or being world number one and i think he he realized that and i think what he did with the instagram live too um from a, a personal standpoint i think he I think he showed a lot more of what his um, true personality is really like because a, a lot of people did think that Adam was, was fairly quiet, fairly reserved. Boring.
0: boring is the word you'll hear around the world. Adam Scott is boring
2: yeah. for people around and, the world. And if, and if you know Adam or you knew Adam, you knew he did have a fantastic personality and I think I think his stint in Australia was um, the best thing for his for his legacy that he could have done.
0: It, it's always struck me as It feels like he realised after he won the Masters fairly quickly how important much his position in the game had changed, not just in Australia, but globally. He became – he's one of the go-to guys for all of the journos in America now, Doug Ferguson, all those guys who cover the beat. Adam's one of the go-to guys you talk to about the big issues, distance and course setups, and, you know, the Premier Golf League and that sort of stuff. He realised he went into that stratosphere, and I think he's grown into the role beautifully, which brings me to this point. I think he will be, at some point in the next six years – the most important President's Cup captain that that event will ever have.
2: he loves it. He loves the President's Cup. He's he's, he's the first who genuinely
0: loves it. He carries on his bag most weeks a President's Cup towel Mm -hmm. week in and week out. And I think he's the first one that I can think of who genuinely loves it. They all are inspired by the competition. But I think he sees something potential in that event and the importance of that event globally that most of the other players maybe miss, and I think he'll be the most important one because he's so invested in it.
2: Mm. Yeah, well, he told me when he played the uh, when he played the 2011 Presidents Cup at Royal Melbourne when Greg was uh, Greg was captain. I think we had Ishikawa that week. Can't remember a couple of the other internationals, but he was playing with. Uh, he played a foursomes match with KT Kim from Korea, and he said he'd barely spoken a word to KT Kim prior to them going out to play. And he said that was a lesson learned for him going forward that Ernie took on board and did a much better job with last year, but he's fully invested in the in the long-term um, survival and success right. of, of, of the event. And uh, I think it's got a lot of potential. I, I don't believe it'll be the Ryder Cup. No. The PGA Tour love the President's Cup. They love all things President's Cup. So if we can be as fully invested, then I think it's um it's got a great chance of longevity.
0: You don't want it to be the Ryder Cup, do you? I'd like it to be what the Ryder Cup used to be, competitive without being nasty.
1: Mm. like Yeah, indeed. Like, I think we we want a taste of that, and and Adam gets the opportunity to, to have this team sport. You get the sense he would have been a great Australian cricketer or something, you know. He, he would he really be good would at have, whatever he chose would have to been, do, yeah, annoyingly. I, I love that idea that he'll be a leader yeah. with the President's Cup at some point, because... He's not – and you don't necessarily see this in the video clips online, but if you look at him in a press conference, he's not a blowhard. Like, he's not – he's when somebody asks him a question, he has no problem at all being silent for yeah. five seconds to an uncomfortable point. <laughs> yeah. To Finger an un- down the cheek. <laughs> yeah, that's his that's go-to. It's the- a great visual. Uh, <laughs> down the cheek. To a Watch point where it's it. uncomfortable. And he's not making any noises while he's thinking, but he's thinking up the best answer and he chooses his words carefully and he's not, you know, he's just not saying stupid things.
2: He's been roasted twice in his career. There was once in the US where he thought he said something fairly, like it wasn't a big deal and, um, yeah, innocuous and and the tour and uh, the tour came and came down on him like a ton of bricks. Was that when he said
0: it's not the – was that the one about the US Open? no, that
2: was the other one. At um, He didn't play the 2008 Aussie Open at Royal Sydney because he had a bad knee and he said if it was the US Open he would have played. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I think he's learned a lot from those two lessons and it goes back to what we were talking about before with the kids. It, it, it can only take an innocuous comment like that um, that gets, uh, gets translated into something a lot – a much bigger deal than what it was meant to be. And all of a sudden, your image can be potentially tarnished. And um, certainly, Adam Scott's is not tarnished. It's the polar opposite. But he learned a lot from those comments. He's
0: built his capital with integrity. He was the only player to skip the Olympics and come out of it with any integrity because he mm-hmm. stood his ground. He did not shy away from the controversy. He wore the flack from Dawn Fraser. If you'd said 10 years ago, somebody would be on the receiving end of a tongue lashing from Dawn Fraser and come out of it looking okay, you'd say that's impossible. Mm. But that he managed that. Simply by being, and maybe it's the lesson he's learned, he just is himself. He's not a biohard naturally. Yeah. He's not on Twitter because he doesn't – that's not him. He's not into it. Uh, he, just by being himself, he's done quite a remarkable That's why – and he'll be a very important ambassador for the game generally, but for Australia, he's the one I would send kids to watch off the golf course. Yeah.
2: He's, a, he's a deep thinker. I actually sat down with um, him and his dad, Phil, to do an interview uh, with the PGA of Australia in June or July up at Twin Waters. And it – it, um, I wouldn't say it surprised me, but I was struck by how passionate he was about all levels of the PGA here in Australia and uh, and 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 just what should be done to help the development and the growth of our, our future professionals and the game of golf itself here in Australia. It was that um, was cool to see.
0: He hasn't had the the same sort of kudos as Norman got for being a supporter of Australian golf, but he's been at least as big a supporter of Australian golf. There's been no need for Adam Scott to play here. He certainly didn't have to play here in 2013 after he won the Masters, and yet he teed it up everywhere and turned up after every round with the jacket. He turned up at the golf riders' dinner on the Saturday night of the Australian Open, which he went on to make a horrible bogey on the last the next day and lose to McElroy. But he was there answering questions, doing an interview, let everyone touch the jacket. He didn't have to do any of that, but he did it because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um,
1: he, on, and- on the course as well, he just tries his guts out. doesn't matter if he's floundering a little bit. When he's out here for the Australian Open as yeah. well, he keeps his energy levels up. Yeah. I remember a couple of times that uh, when he came out playing at the Australian one year, he was just having a mediocre week. and uh, But you just got the sense he just was never going to give up and he actually figured in the finish. He backed all it the took all, of, all the way to, to the yeah. 72nd 70- yeah. hole. And the 72nd hole was the only hole where he had a chance to win. But because I, I remember one part of that week on the ninth, he eventually chipped in for a double bogey. <laughs> and somebody from the grandstands yelled out, yeah, good six or two. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that. But he's, um, I, I, I just to finish up on Adam Scott, he's very measure twice, cut once type yeah. of guy, which makes that Bryson DeChambeau quip that he made. I thought he'd be longer. It makes that so much more cutting, doesn't it? Just yeah, exactly. Where's the point?
0: It's just there. because uh, he's got a great sense. Anybody who knows him will tell you. I've, I don't pretend to know him, but anyone who knows him tell you he's got a great sense of humour. Yeah, he's a he's a funny guy. Yeah. And uh, I've seen pictures of him in a onesie at an event. So that tells you it's not all uh, <laughs> it's not all impeccably dressed, neat and tidy. My probably, great, one of my greatest, greatest joys in life.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> have pleated fronts?
0: No, it was, um, it was a bear <laughs> costume. or It might have been after a President's Cup party. And there was some interesting video of him with Rafa Cabrera Bay over in uh, Bali, surfing yeah, a few years ago as well. Bear. There was some party videos yeah. of that. But one of my great moments in golf, I reckon, has been a couple of times, actually, up at the Gold Coast, at the Australian PGA, being there covering. And you will come over for a press conference when it's like 85 degrees humidity and 38 degrees and even Adam Sweat's. And that's just nice to know that he yeah, is actually yeah. human because you don't ever see that.
1: We are overlooking the elephant in the room, though, is that he still looks like a buffoon like everybody else when he's using the long putter. Like, he, yeah. just, he can't make out look good.
0: No. Not even Adam Nobody Scott can, can make, make it look, that look good. good. If ever there was a case against the long part, not yep. even Adam Scott
1: yep. can make it look good. I'm sure he's not listening, but if you are. I made know. that case to the yep. RNA. They, <laughs> they invited – when when they were reviewing that rule, they invited comment, and I sent a letter to the, ANA, uh, to the RNA, <laughs> yes, saying uh, even Adam Scott can't make it look good. And <laughs> a friend of mine at Golf Australia <laughs> sent some follow-up saying – this guy's not a lunatic, by the way. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it just seems like it. We've been at it for too long. It's been
0: fantastic. So uh, we will look forward. I- I'm sure that by Thursday evening I'm going to be excited about the Masters, and I'm sure you will too. You won't be able to help it. It's the natural thing to happen. But, you know, it's been great of you to come in, mate. Really yeah, no, thank chatting.
2: you very much. Any time. If uh, you're yeah, going to be in Sydney for golf. a year,
0: and now you know where we are, then uh, you can come along and be with us anytime you like. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Most enjoy them. Lo, good to have you along. Good luck with the drone. Is that it now? You've put the camera away? It's just all drone from here? No, not at all. No, no. Is that the it's danger just, of the drone? It's just a
1: tool. No, it's just another tool. And the the same principles apply to like how you're trying to frame up a shot and find something interesting. They get hooked on them, don't they? you got to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, it's something I enjoy using, but it's just, just a part of the arsenal.
0: If you're still with us, that was episode 56. Next week, episode 57, here on Good Good Golf Podcast.